You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is now going for the green with Daily Roto. Good evening. Welcome to Going for the Green. Brought to you by DailyRoto.com. My name is Tony Chicana. In the next hour, we're going to break down everything you need to be successful in daily fantasy golf. And of course, when you want to be successful in any daily fantasy sport, you go to DailyRoto.com and there you find all the great information. How are we doing tonight, Mike? No, Mike. You have Drew Dinkmar instead. You'll have to deal with oh, me, too. You know, oh, you know what? You know, I, 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 should I feel like, uh, should I pretend I'm... I'm so uh, I'm uh, disheveled and we don't know what to do. Yeah, that's exactly the way. I mean, just <laughs> do it like you always do. <laughs> so we have Drew Dinkmeyer with us. Congratulations, Drew Dinkmeyer, who uh, humanitarian of the year award. And uh, last week you listened to uh, Lineup Walk. We actually had Drew's dad on the show. So uh, Drew, congratulations. Thank you. It's uh, I'm I'm very proud to have a father that appeared on the show. Oh, <laughs> uh, this will be this going to be fun, folks. You want to tune in, and you're going to get some winners there. And we have Colin Drew. Colin, how are we doing today? I'm I'm good. We got we got the big guns for this event, and obviously, I'm talking about Drew Dinkmeyer, not Tiger Woods. It should be a good week. Oh yeah, so we're going to get into uh, the Tiger Woods. In fact, Tiger Woods is in the uh, in the field this week. And it's funny, I open up my email, I find out Tiger Woods is playing, and I find out there's a, a promotion going with DailyRoto.com. So, Colin, what is the promotion, and um, is everybody fired up about Tiger Woods playing this week? Yeah, everybody's fired up. Uh, we're running a 10% off promo with the promo code BIGCAT. And then, so that's 10% off for anybody who purchases it this week with that promo code. And then as an added benefit, if Tiger wins the event, we're actually going to comp everybody their subscription uh, for the rest of the season. So if you buy with that promo code, you've got a free roll at a free subscription. And worst case, you're saving 10% off. So if you've been thinking about checking it out, it's a great week to do it, to get involved. Last week was a crazy week. We had to cut after three rounds. And Drew, uh, I, Mike and Colin uh, crushed my lineup after the end of the show. But I, I ended up cashing. But I was surprised that I only had four out of six golfers make the cut. And, in fact, I got an email saying, hey, you, you know, uh, your account has been updated. I'm like, oh, what's that for? That must be a mistake. And then uh, I, I, I didn't believe it. I didn't even look on Sunday. I didn't even stay tuned in on Sunday for the golf. Yeah, it's it's crazy with those you know third round cuts. Sometimes you can sneak some bad teams through if they have really high finishers. So if you had John Rahm last week, you yeah. can still cash some of those four or six, five or six teams. How did it go for you last week, Colin? Yeah, it was a nice week. Uh, consecutive weeks in the green, so no complaints there. Uh, nothing, nothing crazy. I didn't win any tournaments, but came close and had a bunch of six of six lineups. Obviously, we were pretty high on John Rahm, as were a lot of people. But uh, playing Rahm over Harmon ended up being a profitable move last week. When we come back from break, we're going to talk about this week's course two courses instead of three this week and we'll tell you what you need for golfers what kind of skill sets we're trying to attract and golfers with strong course history so you're listening to going for the green stay tuned for more right here on the fantasy sports radio network have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand 
or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back to Going for the Green right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. My name is Tony Cicada, along Drew Dinkfire and Colin Drew this week. And, of course, we're talking about the Farmers Insurance Open as we get you ready and prepared for everything you got to do to put together a winning lineup this week. And, of course, this week, uh, again, not the typical event because we're going to play on two different golf courses here, Torrey Point. Pine South and North Golf Courses are in action. And when you look at it, this one is going to be an event everybody gets fired up about because it's a great field. And one of the courses we have is 7,698 yards long. And the second one, 70,258. The North Course is the shorter course of the two. Drew, how is uh, this course compared to the other golf courses as far as uh, a play? The last few uh, weeks we've needed calculators to keep score. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. You start off the season with all these birdie fests, these really soft courses, and then Torrey Pines kind of smacks you in the face. The The south course is one of the most difficult courses on tour, played in the top 10 in terms of scoring difficulty last year. They'll play three rounds on that south course. That's the 7,700-yard course you had mentioned there. And then the north course, the shorter one, is one of the easier courses on tour. It's you know one of the top uh, 15 easiest courses in terms of scoring average last season on the tour. So You'll get one soft round on the north course to start off uh, one of your opening two days, and then you'll have to finish out the uh, the last three or, or the other three, depending on where you start on that south course, which usually leads to kind of more modest scoring. Generally, the winners uh, on these on these Torrey Pines events are usually somewhere around you know 10 under, 12 under. Generally, not the you know 20 unders we usually see from some of the early uh, events in, in the calendar year. Carl, one of the skill sets that we're looking for, of course, uh, we've been talking about this, uh, comes into play, is par 5 scoring based on some of the things that I've looked around and when people look at this golf course. Do you have any other skill sets that uh, will be advantageous in this setup? Yeah, I think the obvious one, and a lot of times it goes hand-in-hand with the par 5 scoring, but is the driving distance and strokes gained off the tee. Last year, the only event on tour that played longer than this was at Aaron Hills. And so it's one of the the South course is one of the longest courses that they'll play all year. It's held U.S. Opens before. And a lot of times what we see at those types of events is that it brings out it kind of separates the men from the boys. And you got to be able to keep the ball in the fairways, but you also have to be able to put it out there 300 yards. So I don't think that necessarily helps us separate the top of the class. Everyone up top is a as adequate length and can keep the ball in play but definitely as you get into some of the value picks there are guys who jump out as having played here uh, and played really well here and a lot of those guys fit some of those characteristics that we were talking about yeah recent winners of this event john rom was last year's winner brand snedeker in 2016 jason day scott stallings and of course tiger woods and uh 
that is going to be the most interesting aspect of this week. I think you go back anytime uh, Tiger gets to play, uh, it absolutely brings out everybody and a little more uh, people watching than usual. Colin, uh, you do one of the things on projecting ownership levels. What would be the ownership level for Tiger Woods? Yeah, it's funny. It's one of the harder things to project this week is not only what, what's Tiger going to do in one of his you know first events back, but what's his ownership going to be. Uh, he seems like he's overpriced in this field and overpriced yeah. in kind of all the betting odds markets. And I actually think he's going to come in with low ownership, around 10%, just because of where he's priced and all the risk there. But the wild card is there are some huge tournaments on DraftKings and a lot of people public maybe playing that aren't playing most weeks and they're playing because they want to roster Tiger Woods. So that's something that's a little tough, but I have it around 10% right now. True. Now that we have you on and you have a little different uh, maybe uh, opinion than the other two guys, we talked about course history. And it seemed like Colin and Mike preferred uh, recent play over course history. It was funny. I'm looking at a guy like uh, in this one, um, it was Jason Day who uh, had a first, second, and ninth before 2015, and then uh, back-to-back missed cuts the last two years. How much does course history come into play for you at this event? It doesn't really come into play too much for me in general. It's a thing that I will use as a tiebreaker if I have two players that I just I feel stuck between that you know they both have similar long-term adjusted scoring averages. They have similar recent form, both in terms of their performances and in terms of some of the peripheral data, like you know their strokes gain, tee to green stuff that I like to pay attention to. Which you can use some of the trends tools that Collins put together uh, that we have over at Daily Roto. So for me, it's often a tiebreaker. Um, it's nice reinforcement when there's players I already like and as Colin mentioned too there's some guys in this field that kind of fit the course and have good course histories like Tony Finau has made the cut all three times he's played here uh, with three top 25s Gary Woodland is eight for eight and made cuts with three top 20s those are two of the longer players on the tour and it's it's good confirmation on kind of the course fit when you see some of that in the course history but it certainly wouldn't be the first metric I'd be looking at it would be one of the final metrics I'd be looking at as kind of a tiebreaker amongst players. Yeah, you, you know, you talked about some of the golfers uh, that have it, and those guys are the guys that bang it. What about a guy like Charles Howell III, who has a second, 16th, 5th, 37th, and ninth in his last five? Uh, Colin, does he fit those prototypical golfers? He's not the big banger those guys are. You know, he, he's not quite as long as those guys, but he's still somebody who in the kind of total driving metrics for the tour every year uh, checks out. And so he's not a, a short guy uh, when we think about guys who can't hit the ball very far at all, like Kevin Na or something like that. Charles Howell III can still poke it out there a good bit. And it, just in general, he's a guy who makes a ton of cuts on most courses that he plays, especially during this little West Coast swing. And so... I think that's something where, you know, he, he's a cut maker anyway, so it looks like he has great course history at a lot of the courses that we end up seeing him on. You know, it, it's one of these things that you, Drew, uh, when you put your roster together, like Charles Howell III is the guy that you always uh, take to uh, make the cut, but you really don't have any hopes or glimpses of him winning, depending on the, the field of the event, of course. How many of those guys can you put in your roster and think about, you know what, I just need this guy to make the cut. I think it depends a little bit on what type of format you're playing. I think certainly in cash games, you know, double ups or head to heads or 
50-50s or even for me, you know, sometimes uh, triple ups or, or three-person games, I will emphasize players that have a little bit more of a consistent profile, a little bit more of a consistent track record, uh, whether it be, you know, players like Charles Howell III who generally make a ton of cuts um, or whether it be, you know, players who are, you know, prone to not having kind of blow-up rounds. Um, and coming, you know, thinking of a guy like, a, you know, Francesco Molinari is another really steady player. Um, those types of guys I will fill rosters out with in double ups, 50 50s, head to heads, all sorts of cash game environments. In tournaments, I, I sometimes try to manage my exposure to those guys because they tend to have some carryover ownership from being such popular cash game plays and from feeling like very comfortable plays for other people. And given the, the variance in, in golf and the scoring upside, um, I'll tend to shy away a little bit more and manage my exposure to those types of players when they're carrying popular ownership in cash games over to the tournaments. Yeah, there you have it from Drew Dinkmeyer. How about, Colin, how about yourself there as guys putting the roster together uh, with guys that just make the cut? The guy that used to be for me, uh, one of those guys was Charlie Hoffman, and then all of a sudden he started to win a little bit last year. <laughs> yeah, and that's one of the things about the sort of narratives about whether or not guys can or can't win on tour. Obviously, Sergio Garcia couldn't win a major until he won a major. And so I, I definitely see the you know merit to that line of thought. I think for me, when I think about the guys, it depends where they're priced on DraftKings. So if you're paying up for some of these expensive golfers, they're priced in a way where they really need to win or come in the top five for them to pay off their price tags in tournaments. Whereas if you're looking down in the 7,200 range where someone like Charlie Hoffman is this week, then at that price, they really only need to make the cut and be playing on the weekend. And you can rely on your expensive golfers to, you know, finish in the top five, the top 10. So I think when I'm looking kind of at 8K and above, I want, you know, top 20 upside from my golfers. And when I'm looking a little bit cheaper than that, then I might just be looking for somebody who can make the cut, make some birdies on the weekend. You're listening going for the green with Drew Dinkmeyer. Call Drew, DailyRoto.com. Go over to DailyRoto.com, and you get 10% discount this week. People consider this the first week of the PGA season, even though they've been in play. So you can jump right in and get that discount. If Tiger Woods wins, man, you win, they win, everybody wins. So get excited and, you know, take a little risk and go over there. And I'll tell you right now, you won't believe what you'll be able to read. You'll all of a sudden find a new affinity of golf. If you find yourself a golf fan, you will become even more enhanced. Stay tuned. More Golf for the Green. We'll break down the top golfers in this week's selections at DraftKings up next. Playing Daily Fantasy Basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to DailyRoto.com premium and learn more about our awesome product. Welcome back to Going for the Green. All right, here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, 24 hours a day, seven days a week of the greatest fantasy sports information brought to you by DailyRoto.com. 
We have Drew Dickmeyer, Colin Drew of DailyRoto.com. You can head over there and get the best information in DFS golf and a whole lot more. If you play DFS and you haven't been there, you got to get over there. I'll tell you, third week of the show, and now we have three different cuts here, and I'm sure if you're new, you're a little confused. Drew Dinkmeyer, the first week of the show, we had no cuts. 32 people in the course in Invitational. Then we went three days in a cut, and now we have a cut on Friday. i got to ask you, what the heck is going on here, and do we have to do anything differently? Yeah, you want you want to try to structure your rosters in mind with how much risk is prevalent in a tournament. And the earlier the cut is, the more the variance and the more the risk there is because players have fewer rounds to prove their merit uh, before the the field is you know cut essentially in half. And so you know you want to take this into account into consideration with also what, how the pricing is. On this week, I find the pricing relatively loose which makes it so that you can still build with you know, one stud up top and build relatively balanced lineups in terms of the skill of your golfers. And I think that's very viable. But oftentimes when the cut is earlier in the event, you in general want to try to build from a cash game perspective, you know, somewhat more balanced rosters in terms of upping your odds of cut making probability. Now this week in particular, there's some really good cut makers that are pretty cheap. That makes it uh, relatively easy to still pay up a little bit, but you always want to take into consideration when the cut is relative to how much risk you're embracing in your individual roster. They have it this week. Uh, DraftKings has four golfers over 10,000. Two are over 11,000. That's John Rahm at 11,800. Ricky Fowler, 11,400. Hideki Matsuyama at 10,800. Justin Rose, 10,600. Colin, when you look at this golfer, these four, is it imperative that we have one of these guys in? And who do you think you'll have most ownership out of this group? Yeah, I would have a hard time starting a roster that didn't anchor on at least one of these guys. Uh, just the win probabilities and especially the top five odds on all of these golfers are so much higher than the rest of the field that it seems like a, it would be a mistake to kind of pass up all the value. There's different merits to kind of each of them and why you might want to play each of them, whether it's lower ownership or the recent form. Obviously, Rom coming off the win last week and being the defending champion is going to draw a lot of ownership his way. Um, I think that I'll probably end up owning the most ROM, but at least as it compares to the rest of the DFS field, I think Hideki Matsuyama might be one of the guys that I own a lot of that will be a little bit lower owned than the other four, or the other three, rather. Colin, with the, there's some pretty good golfers in the $7,000 uh, range. Is there any way that you can get two of these guys in the lineup and be competitive? Uh, I think... You, I still think you might be able to if it was with Matsuyama and Rose. You might be able to build the lineup that was still had a decent, you know, ten percent or so chance of getting six to six guys through the cut. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be the optimal way to build because there's still value in some of these other ranges that we want to capture. So I definitely think you could. Uh, but the best way to probably build, in in my opinion, is to grab one of these guys and then uh, hit up some of the values in the other ranges. Drew, when you look at that group, is there uh, a guy that you think that you will own the most out of other than John Rahm, or is John Rahm the way to go? 
I think Rom, uh, Fowler, and Matsuyama are going to be the three guys I have the most of. I think Rose is actually going to be the guy that I'm going to have the least of of those very top guys. And just to kind of hop on what Colin had mentioned about you know Rom's recent form, I, I feel really good about where Rom's game is. Uh, Hideki has you know been up and down throughout the course of the the season, but usually kind of turns it on in, in the early part of the season. I know next week at the Waste Management is a, a course he's done really well at. And Rose is, you know, the one guy coming on, traveling over from Abu Dhabi, uh, playing there last week. And I just, you know, there's there's a little bit of uh, research that's been done. I believe the 15th club, uh, Jake Nichols kind of uh, reiterated this last year that he found like about a half stroke uh, per round difference in guys who were having extreme kind of travel situations coming over uh, across the pond. So I feel like Rose is going to be the guy that it looks like his ownership is in line with all these other guys. So he's probably the guy that I'll have the least of of that group. Justin Rose is one of those guys that have uh, hobbies outside of golf, too. Like, he does um, some surfing, and he does, like, uh, some rugby and stuff, too. I, I don't like that. I want my golf is just a golf. You don't want anybody with well-rounded lives out there? No, no, no. Yeah, I want them strictly. Like, I want them working <laughs> over the course. I want them their day early. <laughs> like, Justin Rose, I, at, when, you know, when you're too over par in the Masters and um, I, I have you on my team, I, I don't want to hear about how you just finished a, you know, a scuba diving tournament and you came in third. Well, I mean, at least you're not holding on to things like his Masters performance. You can tell that that's not eating. <laughs> Uh, so it looks like John Rahm is the place uh, we're going to go there. You know, at 9,999 to 9,000, uh, we've got a group of golfers here led by Tiger Woods. I- I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> truth. This is the first. <laughs> so I knew Tiger was playing. The first thing I did was go to find out how to salary. And I started at the bottom. I was shocked to see him at $9,700. It was it was surprising. I thought the strong play that he had at uh, I believe it was the hero that he kind of made his first debut back. I thought that was enough that it would at least keep the you know price range along with the the odds because a lot of times you can see you know Vegas odds before DraftKings or FanDuel release their prices and um, it looked to me like he'd probably be in the mid eights. When it got up to the high nines, that's just a tough position to, to, you know, to even take a shot on. I mean, you have to kind of think, and Tiger's a, a complete wild card because the range of outcomes on where he is as a golfer, you know, historically he is the greatest golfer of all time. When he's when he's right, he hasn't been right or healthy for a very long time. And when he wasn't healthy, he, you know, he was one of the weaker golfers in events. He wasn't making cuts very often, so it's kind of a conundrum to figure out where he is. The ownership as Colin is suggesting might be on the lower end. Um, I think it'll especially be on the lower end in like high dollar or, you know, theoretically sharper contests where people are playing, uh, you know, more, more dollars in on an entry fee, but the public, you know, a weekend without NFL games to play uh, might be shifting over to golf. And if, if they want to play tiger and tigers return, cause that's what they want to tune into this weekend that could push ownership, you know, maybe closer to 15%. And come to some of the smaller uh, dollar entry tournaments. So I'm torn on Tiger. I, I want you know the rooting interest to go well. I want it to be a sweat. I think it's good for golf. I think it's good for DFS if more eyes are on golf. But I, the 9,700 price tag is just a very very difficult one to pay. Colin, we were talking about this on the lineup block show today. Is that with football ending except for the Super Bowl and they have the the showdown format now at DraftKings? 
Um, the football players, do they do they transition over to golf? Uh, do you think that we'll see more new players in uh, DFS golf this week as opposed to any other week? Yeah, I definitely think we'll see new players between the break from football and then Tigers return. It should be a great event. And I think that'll carry over a little bit to next week's event as well. That is definitely one of the things that you notice for a lot of the majors and the players' championship and some of the bigger events throughout the year is you do get kind of a wave of more casual players who are coming in and playing those contests that uh, might not be sticking around for some of the you know less established tournaments where you know you have web.com guys coming up to play them and things like that. So I definitely think this is a week where there will be a lot more casual golfer golf fans playing, and I think that's good because it gives you know a good edge to DFS players who are kind of always playing fantasy golf and paying attention to it. All right. So I'm going to start with Colin because uh, I don't want Drew to ridicule me yet uh, here. Uh, here's what I think there's an event that we're going to have new players in. How do you attack that differently? And I'll tell you how I do it. And, and then you, you can comment on that if you don't want to throw yourself under the bus. I, I'll throw 50 or 100 head-to-head dollar lineups out there and see if people go after it that way. Because I feel like the new players only going to throw a buck out there. Am I doing it wrong, or what, what What do you do in that situation? Oh, I think that's one way you can do it. There's on weeks where more people are playing, you're going to get a little bit more head-to-head action if you like playing that format. It seems like those weeks in the major weeks are good weeks to play that. I think the other thing that's going to draw, obviously, a lot of the attention this week is DraftKings has a $4.20 max entry fee tournament with $100,000 at first place. So when I'm building my first 20 teams, you know, that's where I'm going to be putting them into that tournament because not only is the upside obviously huge if you're able to win, but I also think that's kind of where the softest money is going to go from a casual player's perspective. Yeah, you know what? You're right because they're gonna people are going to try to, you know, the $100,000 is going to throw them in there. And you're right about the upside as well. Drew, I think Colin has a better plan than me. <laughs> I think his plan. I, I can uh, I can elaborate on that plan a little bit as well. For me, I would also be a little bit more prone to playing, you know, the chalk, the players that you know, whether it's you project well or the industry likes or whatever, in an event like that where it's limited to twenty max entries and it's likely to be a more casual player uh, playing that event because of the the low dollar cost entry point, the big high uh, prize pull up to first. When all the sharp players are limited only 20 entries, you're like you're just having less entries covering the best plays. So I'm more likely to be a little bit more chalkier in that type of tournament than I would, uh, let's say, you know, it was a you know three max, um, you know, four hundred dollar entry or three hundred dollar entry where the field's going to be really really sharp and uh, ownerships are going to be a little bit more condensed on the top plays. Those are fields that I'll I'll try to be a little bit more contrarian in the plays that I'm selecting. Yeah, that's great stuff. That's great advice. That's why you guys are listening to Going for the Green right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You're getting information for people that win, and they know how to attack it. Whether we have a new slate in California, whether you're getting cuts on Friday, Saturday, or no cuts at all, we got new people playing. We've got you covered right here. You can join us every Tuesday night from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern on FNTSY.com slash radio, or go to iTunes and subscribe. And then it goes right to your device. And then if you forgot or if you have amnesia, it'll go right to your phone and it'll pop up and say, hey, what's this? And then you listen anyways. It's a great, great tool uh, that you can always get the best golf advice in the 
business, so make sure you do that. When we come back, we break down the rest of the golfers in the $9,000 range. Find out who the guys like and who they're going to play most. Stay tuned for more for Going for the Green. Hello, friends. If you want to win at Fantasy Sports, wouldn't you listen to people who have already won at Fantasy Sports? I'm here to tell you about DailyRoto.com. Don't be intimidated by the Draft Kings and FanDuel Sharks, even the Fantasy Draft Sharks. The guys at DailyRoto.com have not only won a million dollars amongst one of the writers, but they've created three others. That's four people who have won millionaire contests from this content alone. Don't be fooled by screenshots talking about $25,000 winners from other places. Go to DailyRoto.com where they have a proven track record of creating millionaires. DailyRoto.com. Come Greg Sussman say you. Right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. My name is Tony Cicada, along with Drew Dankmeyer, Colin Drew of DailyRoto.com. Head over to DailyRoto.com and make sure uh, you get all the advice from these guys as they're laying it out for you on the show tonight. And you wouldn't believe it. They got as many charts, I think, than Ross Perot for all the older people out there. Drew Dankmeyer, how would you say you compare to Ross Perot? I'm old enough to remember Ross Perot. So, yeah, we've, we've got a lot of charts. we got a lot of data. We like to push at the people. Hopefully we have a little bit better win rate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. He did everything but uh, win. But he did all right in life. He won life. That's true. That's true. So there you go. Uh, the golfers in the 9,999 range to 9,000 is Tiger Woods, 9,700. Brian Harmon, 9,600. Patrick Cantlay, 9,500. Jason Day, 9,400. Mark Leishman, 9,200. And the uh, struggling Brett Snedeker at 9,000 in this one. Uh, Drew, which golfer are you looking for in this group in the $9,000 range? I think one of the most interesting and challenging plays of the week for me to figure out is going to be Jason Day, who, you know, historically Jason Day would be right there with Hideki Matsuyama, Ricky Fowler, John Rahm, Justin Rose in terms of caliber of player. Last year he had some struggles. Then, you know, he hasn't played in a while in, uh, this, in the swing season when he had some time off. Um, he and his wife lost a, lost a baby with a miscarriage. So there's been a lot of stuff going on around the Jason Day situation. And he's, he's priced really, really well. And he's, from a raw skill and talent perspective, one of the best golfers uh, in the field. And he's a, he's a play that typically I want to load up on when he's underpriced. But it looks like from Colin's projected ownership that he's going to be pretty owned, that he's going to be you know, close to 20%. Um, so not a big ownership discount there. But I, I honestly think kind of figuring out Jason Day um, is one of the big keys to, to this week because I think he's one of the most attractive plays uh, in this range. And then Patrick Candley and, and Mark Leishman are the two other guys that you know, have shown good form. Uh, Leishman has been really consistent uh, since kind of the, the second half of last year after his wife got over some scares of her own and, and some health scares that kind of cleared his head around the course um, he's been exceptionally consistent he can play in kind of all all weather environments all course fits he's just got a really solid all-around game uh, Leishman Cantley and Day are the three guys in in this tier that you know are pretty pretty enticing and I think a, for a lot of teams those are going to be the second you know slotted players I think a lot of teams are going to start with a player 10 plus k and then one of these guys in, in the 9000s uh, to start building out rosters you know it's interesting because um yeah, I know I brought up to Mike Leone that, uh, you know, maybe Leishman's success would 
It was uh, based on the birth of his son. And I said, uh, Mike, you have gotten better at your job since the birth of your son recently. And uh, I wasn't aware of the uh, wife situation there. And uh, Mike thinks there was no uh, relativity to uh, that whole situation with the birth of his son. That's simply because... That's simply because Mike hasn't gotten any better at his job. I don't know if that necessarily <laughs> uh, carries over to other professional athletes that are finely tuned, but it, it has, you know, My, Michael Leone has, has become a little bit foggier uh, since since the birth of Micah Leone. <laughs> Colin, when you're looking at this group, who is it that you're looking at? You know, the Patrick Cantlay is a guy that came on burst on the scene with a good story last year, and he hasn't let up. Yeah, definitely. And that's, you know, he was a former top ranked amateur golfer in the world. And, you know, since he's come back to the tour, his iron play and tee green play has been exceptional. And so he, he's definitely one of the solid values. I have a slight preference for Day. Uh, I think, you know, Day's form is kind of underrated, been a little bit better, I think, than maybe uh, because we haven't been paying as, as much attention to global golf as we're focused on the football season. Uh, over the past 10 events, you know, he hasn't been outside of the top 30 in any of them. And he's cracked the top 10, I believe, four times in, in a bunch of top 20s as well. And uh, his last event, he was fifth. It was Australian Open, and it was a weaker field. But I think his game's coming around. I did read that he withdrew from the Pro-Am, which is, uh, I guess, like, I feel like Jason Day plays at his best when he's withdrawing from Pro-Ams and, you know, faking sickness and everything. So hopefully that's a good <laughs> omen for his his chances this week. That's the green light. That's the green light with Jason Day. Whenever there's something like physically bothering him, that's the green light to go in on Jason Day. And you hope that that news breaks early. You hope that it deters people um, from being invested. It, it was reported that it was a back issue that caused him to withdraw, which is always scary, especially for a golfer. But Day has seemed to put up some of his best performances. You know, we can all remember, um, you know, the the battles with the the nausea that he was having on the course and still able to hit, you know, ridiculous two irons and, and long woods uh, into in green. So I, I think Day is uh, is pretty interesting, especially if that lowers the ownership, the, the withdrawal from the Pro-Am. Yeah, you would think that that certainly would come into play, right? I mean, if you find out the guy wasn't playing, uh, most people, I would think, they would go the other way and you don't want to shy away. But it'll be interesting to see what the ownership level is there. Golfers from $8,999 to $8,000 is Phil Mickelson, $8,900. Shane Lowry, $8,800. Tony Finau, 8,700. Gary Woodland, 8,600. Ollie Snyderchance, 8,500. Patrick Reed, 8,400. Charles Howell III, 8,300. Cameron Smith, 8,200. Alexander Shoffley, 8,100. And Grayson Murray, 8,000. Drew, who are you looking at in this group? I think it's a pretty interesting tier. Um, there's a lot of plays that you know, rate um, pretty well for us, but not like as the top values because the 7,000 tier is so strong. But I think the two guys that stand out, we talked a little bit before, but, you know, from a course fit perspective, a 7,700 yard course, you want guys that can kind of get it out there. And Tony Finau and Gary Woodland are two of those guys. They've both been in pretty good form. Finau was just so good tee to green um, in the latter half of last season. And and then Woodland, you know, uh, put together a really strong performance um, two weeks ago in in uh, in his return. So I think these guys are really, you know, they're priced up what you would typically consider. Like Woodland had spent most of the year in the 7,000s and so did Finau. Um, but I think they're really strong plays given the course fit. And the course history helps out too. This is one of those situations where uh, I will use their, their strong course history as a tiebreaker over some of the similarly priced players around them. 
Uh, Colin, who are you looking for in this group, and where are you going as far as um, how many of the guys are you trying to target in this group? Yeah, this is definitely a good range uh, for a couple different types of games. I think Drew covered some of the plays that we like the most. I, I think Finau is one of the guys that if I had to only play one guy, that it would probably be him. Uh, fourth on the entire tour in strokes gained off the tee last year. And the top three guys, Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, aren't too bad. So it's good company he's with as far as his play off the tee there. And it seems like that's something that should matter more so on this course than I mean, it matters every week, but more so on this course than other weeks. I think a couple guys that in the $4 GPP where you can turn 4 bucks into 100 k that I might be willing to gamble on aren't guys that I necessarily like because of their form, but are guys that I think the ownership uh, is something that draws me into them. And Phil Mickelson is one of those guys. I played him last week at a higher price tag, and it was not a profitable endeavor. But it's a new week, and I think you could argue Phil might have played this course more than anybody else in, in tour history, and he's won on this event several times. Uh, he's not the, the Phil of old, but I think when you're looking at a 5% ownership possibly on him, that in a super top-heavy GPP, he's somebody I'm going to uh, gamble on. I, I wouldn't do it in the higher-stakes tourneys where if I get $0 back, it's going to matter to me, but in the, the $4, I think like sprinkling in someone like him can just provide a lot of leverage on the field if he happens to crack the top 10. Yeah, you know, it's really, really interesting when you're looking at this group and how you put it together. Uh, but under 8,000, it seems like so much value here, Colin. Um, when you go under 8,000, who are uh, one or two of the guys that you're liking in this group? Yeah, the, I think if you're building kind of safe rosters, whether it's for cash games or smaller tournaments, the getting this range right is going to be the most important thing. Uh, one of the guys that we like the most in both the fantasy projection model and the odds model is Francesco Molinari. Uh, it's a guy who hasn't played quite as much in the States, and so it's like recently, and so it's possible it'll be out of sight, out of mind. Um, but I think that he presents like such favorable odds to make the cut that at that price, you know, he really, in some formats, that's all he has to do to pay off his price tag. And even though he's not a long guy, he was deceptively good in strokes gain off the tee last year, coming inside the top 25 on the tour. And so I know we talk a lot about distance sometimes as a course fit, but if you can keep the ball in play and you're a really good long iron player, I think that helps too. Yeah, Molinari's first action since the Hero World Challenge where he uh, uh, came in eighth in that one. He did not win in 2017, uh, but had a strong season. Drew, who are you looking for under the $8,000 range? Yeah, I think Molinari is really interesting. And, you know, you look at the OWGR, the official world golf rankings, and both Francesco Molinari and Charlie Hoffman, who are both 7,200, or, you know, Molinari 7,400, excuse me, uh, both low sevens in this range are two of the top 25 players in the entire world in the official world golf rankings. And, yeah, those golf rankings have, you know, some issues with them in terms of how they weight tournaments and how they weight recent performance and whatnot. But, two of the players that played really, really well last year, they just seem uh, really underpriced. And then you've got some other guys. I know a lot of the, the guys who follow the European tour will be pretty excited about Julian Surrey, uh, who's kind of come over. He had a really good uh, European tour year last year and um, is kind of coming on as a young player, kind of taking, um, you know, the route of, of some of these other, like Peter Uline kind of took that route as an American who went over to the European tour. Uh, Surrey's only uh, 7,500. Kyle Stanley, a really consistent tee to green guy at 7400 uh, looks like a pretty 
uh, good value. Emiliano Grio looks like a low-owned kind of tournament play at 7,000, a guy that can be long off the tee and really good with long irons as well. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We'll finish the show off. I'll give you the guys uh, my lineup I'm using in the single-entry tournament. These guys can pick it apart. But I'm feeling good, Colin, because you guys have mentioned some of the guys that are in my lineup tonight. So uh, I have more confidence than I did last week, uh, Colin, just to give you a warning before we come back from break. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I'll have to, I haven't taken a deep look into it yet, but I'm hoping you can do better than four of six through the cut. Well, you know, I put you know, I put enough for me to buy a coffee at Starbucks in my pocket. You know what I mean? I got to meet a barista. <laughs> you want to do better than meeting a barista? Stay tuned. We're gonna do better this week. And if you want to do better? Go over to DailyRoto.com. Get ten percent off, and then you can afford the barista. If Tiger Woods wins, man, oh boy, a lot of coffee all year long. Going for the green. Back with more after this. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to DailyRoto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. Welcome back to Going for the Green right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Brought to you by DailyRoto.com. Head over to DailyRoto.com. Get DFS advice that the winners use. Whatever the sport is, they have you covered. Heck, last week they had an article on MMA. I, I went there. Then I went down to my Hooters. I watched that, and it was a very enjoyable night. Now, Drew, have you ever partook in the MMA experience? I've played a little bit of MMA DFS very casually. I do not have the stomach to watch a lot of MMA. It uh, no. it'll it'll get me at times. So I have not played as much because I really I enjoy the sweats. I like watching whatever I'm invested yeah. in that night. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you the first time I ever went to uh, an MMA event was by accident actually in 2003. I was in Kansas City, and someone invited me to a, a boxing match, and they had five boxing matches and five of the mixed martial arts, and I was stunned. I was like, these people should be going to jail. What is this? And it was the crazy. Now it's caught on to be this huge thing, so this crazy uh, situation there, and you can get advice even for MMA over at DailyRoto.com. Here's the lineup that I'm going to use in my single-entry tournament this week. You spoke about John Rahm, 11800 bucks. I uh, got it one uh, last year in playing well. Charles Howell III, 8300 bucks. He's made this cut the last 15 times that he's been in the tournament and look for that success again. Brendan Steele at 7800 Kyle Stanley, 7400 Francisco Molinari, 7400 And my guy, Charlie Hoffman, at 7200 I was really surprised at the price of Charlie Hoffman and Francisco Molinari, as many people I'm sure of. So, Colin, what do you think about this week's lineup? Yeah, I think it must be the third time's a charm. You're on the show with us. You're picking up uh, things. And, no, this lineup looks pretty good, especially for a single entry. And I think the only critique I'd have is all of these guys that we have projected for 10% or more uh, as far as ownership projections, and most of them are actually above 15%. Brendan Steele's the only guy who's a little bit lower at 10%. So I, for a single entry, I actually don't think that's too bad. Uh, but if you're, if you're going to try to 
toss this into the four dollar and turn it into something more than a yeah. cup of Starbucks, then I think like this lineup in that type of tournament, there might be thirty people who kind of build that exact same team. But for a single entry, this looks like a pretty good approach to me. True, that's a good question. I get asked that a lot, a lot, uh, a lot of times. People ask me, you know, about tournament lineups. And when you talk about tournament lineups, like you mentioned, a three or four hundred dollar entry tournament the other day uh, earlier in the show. What do you do when there's 200 or less people in a tournament as opposed to some of these mega tournaments? Do you treat it more as a cash game? Yeah, I think there's a lot of similarities to it. And I think ultimately what I do in smaller field tournaments, you know, whether it be lower stakes or higher stakes regardless, is I'll try to make a lineup that I feel has, has the general core of, like, what the best plays are on that slate. And then I'll have, like two pivots so i'll have like four plays that i would normally play in my cash game lineup and then maybe two one or two pivots that are to you know lower owned players at somewhat similar price tags because in those small fields sometimes the ownership can get condensed a little bit and i want to take advantage of being able to have a play that instead of being like you know seven or eight percent in a um in a uh really large field event might be down to like you know four or five percent because the the ownership is condensing a little bit more on the chalk Calm before we let everybody go. Who's the one golfer that'll have a decent ownership this week that you'll stay away from? I think it'll end up being Justin Rose, and it's going to be pretty scary just because his form over in Europe is quite insane right now. He's won three of his last seven events and finished inside the top 10 in, in three of the other events, so only once outside the top 20 in seven events, and that was last week. So it's it's more just the depth of the field and the fact that he'll carry a fair bit of ownership. I don't think I have the stones to fade Rom and Fowler, and I think Matsuyama will be lower owned, and so it's really more of an ownership play for me, and I probably won't have a ton of Justin Rose. True, who's the one guy you'll stay away from? Yeah, it'll probably be Rose. I've, I've got that Abu Dhabi fears of the long trip over. Great stuff. Everybody head over to dailyroto.com, get more help with this weekend's lineup. And, of course, four bucks turn into $100,000, and then all of a sudden you'll have more friends, you'll have more problems, and you'll probably have to get off Facebook. Stay tuned. Next week we'll be back on Going for the Green. Tony Cicada, Drew Dinkmeyer, Colin Drew, we're out of here.